Thank you for joining us today for another class on the book of Proverbs. Last week we talked about the poor and I realized that there could be a lot of discussion about our treatment of the poor. There are many uh, categories of people in our society that um, defy our categorization and many people that are poor in our society don't necessarily fit the kind of person that the biblical writers were thinking about. But I hope you would take those things and um, meditate on them and uh, prayerfully consider how God would have you treat the poor. Well, today we're dealing with a, a subject that has as much Uh, print in the Bible as the poor, and that's speech. What we say with our mouth is something that is dealt with throughout the scripture and uh, also is dealt with in Proverbs. Let's let's talk for just a minute. If you might remember back in uh, the book of Genesis, how did Eve and Adam, how were they uh, deceived and led astray? How, How did that first sin occur? Wasn't it through speech? It was through, through the speech of the deceiver. Two of the Ten Commandments have to do with speech. The third commandment where we're instructed not to misuse the name of the Lord our God. And then the ninth commandment where we're uh, not to give false testimony against our neighbor. The Psalms deal with speech a lot in a positive way. Uh, we're encouraged to give praise to God and to thank him. And Proverbs is full of scripture about speech. I'd like you to take a look at a key verse that we're going to refer to today, and I hope it's one that you can remember. It doesn't cover the whole gamut of uh, speech, and, but it's, it's a very good one. It covers a, a, a part of what we're going to talk about today, and it's a good one to remember and especially a good one to get you thinking about how we speak. And it's this, Proverbs 15:1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Wow. So that's parallelism, something that uh, Hebrew poetry is, is based on. And parallelism is, in, in the Hebrew language, is laying a, a phrase side by side with another phrase. Sometimes the second phrase is almost a synonymous phrase with the first. We call that synonymous parallelism. Sometimes the second phrase completes the thought of the first, and we call that synthetic parallelism. It's a synthesis of the two thoughts. And then um, another kind is what we have In this verse, antithetical parallelism. An antithesis is something that's opposite. And so the first statement is opposite from the second. Look at this one. A gentle answer turns away wrath is quite opposite from a harsh word stirring up anger. So that's an antithetical parallelism. And uh, one of the techniques used in Hebrew poetry... Well, let's begin and let's talk about um, an example of this 
this proverb that we have today. And I'd like you to look at Judges chapter 8, verses 1 through 3. You might remember that the Midianites had been oppressing the Jews. And they cried out to the Lord. And the Lord's answer uh, to their cry was to speak to a man by the name of Gideon. And to call him to lead the nation of Israel against the Midianites. And he had a very unique way of doing it. It's a great story, which we don't have a lot of time to get into. But once uh, the battle was enjoined, once uh, Gideon did what God commanded with his 300 men, and he got the enemy on the run, um, Gideon called on the Ephraimites to come out and help in the battle. And so uh, they did, and uh, they were able to go to the fords of the Jordan River and, and to stop the, the um, fleeing Midianites. And they killed two of the strong kings that were leading this coalition of, of nations that came against them. And, uh, but the, the Ephraimites were, they were military people and they were very proud. And uh, so they were offended that Gideon hadn't called them at first. And the reason was that Gideon was following God's orders and he was doing what God had asked him to do. But this is the dialogue that occurred between the Ephraimites and Gideon. And we'll talk about it in just a minute, but let's read through it. Now the Ephraimites asked Gideon, why have you treated us like this? Why didn't you call us when you went to fight Midian? And they challenged him vigorously. So they're angry. But he answered them, what have I accomplished compared to you? Aren't the gleanings of Ephraim's grapes better than the full grape harvest of Abiazer? And uh, Abiazer is the uh, tribe that he came from, or not the tribe, but the family grouping that he came from. And so he's saying, you know, uh, your gleanings, you know, just the scrubs of your harvest are way better than our full harvest. So he's, he's building them up. And then he says, God gave Oreb and Zeb, the Midianite leaders, into your hands. What was I able to do compared to you? At this, the resentment against him subsided. So when Gideon talked about Oreb and Zeb, these were two of the kings leading this coalition of nations that were Midianites. And the Ephraimites had been able to capture them and kill them, which was a significant thing. And so... Gideon, rather than, he could have said, well, you ungrateful people, you know, you got to be part of all this and God was telling me to do this and you need to just shut your mouths. And if he had said that, they would have been more angry. But what he did was he, he affirmed them and what they did do and he built them up. And because of his gentle answer, their anger subsided. It's a, an example of the proverb that we have today. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but an, a harsh word stirs up anger. Okay, let's look at the, another example, which uh, will give us an example for the second statement in the proverb, that a harsh word stirs up anger. And this involves a man by the name of Nabal, you might remember that before David became king, he was on the run. He was being pursued by King Saul. 
and he lived in the wilderness. And um, part of what they did was they, they would look after uh, the sheep and the livestock of certain farmers. And the farmers would, uh, out of gratitude uh, for them, give them food and uh, things that they could use to sustain themselves. And so David had, he had a number of men that were with him. Um, and uh, he went, he heard that Nabal, uh, this was a man whose sheep they had looked after, um, had protected the shepherds from other uh, thieves that were in the area. And he heard that he was, uh, he was shearing his sheep and there was uh, some harvest going on and there was some killing of animals and meat being uh, passed around. And so he talked to his servants and he said, I want you to go and uh, I want you to ask Nabal for some of this food and just tell him that um, it's David and, and remember the way that we've treated your, peop- your shepherds with kindness and we've watched over uh, your flocks and your, your livestock. So Nabal gets this request and he answers David's servants. Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shears and give it to men coming from who knows where? David's men turned around and went back. When they arrived, they reported every word. David said to his men, men, each of you strap on your sword. So they did. And David strapped on his as well. About 400 men went up with David, while 200 stayed with the supplies. So David was angry, and he went back, and his intent was to kill Nabal. And if you know this story, his wife, Abigail, Nabal's wife, came out and appeased David with some kind words. But uh, the, the point of this story is that a harsh word stirs up anger. That's the second part of this proverb, 15, verse 1. There's great power in our words. In fact, I'd like for us to look at uh, four different proverbs that talk about the power of our words. Let's start with Proverbs 12, 18. Proverbs 12, 18. The words of the reckless pierce like swords... But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Think about that. Uh, The extreme uh, difference between these two approaches is intentional. The writer is is, letting us know that our words are powerful. They can either be powerful for for bad, uh, piercing like swords, or they can be powerful for good, bringing healing. Let's look at chapter 15, verse 4. The soothing tongue is a tree of life. Think of some large tree just growing tall and and providing shade and green leaves. But a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. You think about the power of something that can crush. And that's what the tongue can do. And it can do either. Verse 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death, 
and those who love it will eat its fruit. Oh, that's a, that's a powerful statement. It, it makes me think of a passage in James where James says that the tongue is like a fire, that it can set a forest on fire. Just the words of a person can, can cause a great fire in a forest. And then one more passage, and this is uh, verse 20, chapter 25, verse 15. Through patience, a ruler can be persuaded, and a gentle tongue can break a bone. Mm. I love that because it states the power of the tongue in a positive way. And so a gentle tongue can do something that we would originally think could only be done by something very strong and harsh. But a gentle tongue can break a bone. What are some of the good things that can come from our speech? I'd like for us to pursue this for just a minute. Let's start back again with our key verse, 15.1. A gentle answer turns away wrath. So one of the good things that can come from, um, from our speech is that we can, we can stop anger by what the things that we say. Have you ever seen an angry person or have you ever been around an angry person and just wish you could stop their anger? Well, a gentle answer can do that. Uh, just like the example we had of Gideon. And uh, let's look at verse ch- chapter 10, verse 21. The lips of the righteous nourish many but fools die for lack of sense. Let's look at just the first part of that. The lips of the righteous nourish many. The things that we say actually bring nourishment to the lives of people. Um, Spiritual, emotional, mental nourishment to people. Let's look at 1225. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. I love that, and I've seen it, and I've experienced it, where you're anxious, and somebody speaks a kind word to you and and cheers up your anxious heart. I shared this a few weeks ago in this class, being in a a lab, a medical lab, waiting to have uh, a blood test for a doctor's appointment. And uh, they had lost my paperwork, and I had waited a long time because uh, there were a lot of people in the clinic, and a woman came up to me and said, I understand that you've, uh, the paperwork for your blood work has been lost. And she said, I, I just want you to know that we're going we're gonna to take care of it, and we're going to be able to get your, your blood test, and, and don't worry. And just that, that kind word did so much for me that morning. And that's a small thing, you know, having to wait extra time for a blood test. But it, it just deflated the anxiety in me. And I I was at peace because somebody had spoken a kind word to me. Okay, let's go on and let's look at uh, chapter 15, verse 26. The Lord detests the thoughts of the wicked, but gracious words are pure in his sight. I chose this verse because when I read it, it just made me realize the power of our words are so powerful that they even impress 
and maybe that's the wrong word, but they please the Lord. Our gracious words can actually please the Lord. What a neat thing. When you say something uh, gracious to a person, full of grace and mercy, it can bring Um, It can bring pleasure from the Lord. I love that. Let's look at 1624. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Your words can, you know, this implies even bring physical healing and definitely healing to the spirit. Let's look at one more, 2211. One who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have the king for a friend. I think this was written because um, to impress us that when you speak with gracious words, even the most high in society will be listening. Even the most distant person that you, you would think would never respond to anything I would say. They want to hear that kind of words and uh, those kind of words. So we need to develop words of grace that maybe we won't speak before a king, but we could speak before someone in need and uh, we'll have them for a friend. i thinking of a, a roommate that I had in college who... Um, became my friend because of the way he spoke to me. And uh, I met him at, at one point, and um, his words were just so gracious. Um, he, was, uh, he was interested in me. And uh, he spoke in, a, in, a, in an engaging way that, that I, I don't even remember the, the circumstances, but uh, I just know that I felt... Um, accepted by this person. And uh, the friendship grew and we eventually became roommates and and close friends. Uh, But it it happened because of his words of grace. I'd like for us to think of how we develop good speech. How do we develop good speech? Well, it starts with the heart. Proverbs 4.23 says this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. And that's really true, isn't it? Particularly our speech is, is something that comes out of our heart. And so guarding our heart, meaning keeping, keeping it from anything that's um, critical, unduly critical, negative, um, Anything that's sinful, anything that's seedy, anything that's sarcastic, we keep that, if we keep that out of our heart, then it's going to also be out of our speech because our speech flows from our heart. Look at Psalm 1914. I'm going to look at this in the NLT, New Living Translation. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And so the psalmist here got the connection between the heart and the mouth. 
that the words of the mouth really flowed from the meditation of the heart. And if the meditation of the heart is pleasing to God, then the words of our mouth will also be pleasing to him and to people around us. And so the key in saying encouraging things and having speech that builds up and lifts is to have a heart that's meditating on how can I lift this person? Having a heart that's focused on loving someone. Having a heart that's focused on goodness and on God and the things that are good and wholesome. All right, one more. And this is not a proverb, but it's from Luke chapter 6, verse 43 through 45. And these are the words of Jesus. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So Jesus caught the connection, didn't he? And he lets us know that it's um, the heart that really needs the work. And when the heart is right, the words will be right. So um, we need to work on our heart. I think of the passage in Philippians 2 that says, or Philippians 4 that says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. And if we're thinking about those things, then the speech that comes out of our mouth is going to be good. It's going to be uplifting. It's going to be able to heal. It's going to be able, in a gentle way, to break a bone. Well, that kind of speech grows with discipline. Yes, we need to develop a heart that's right. And as that heart becomes focused on good things, then our speech will. But in the same way, we need to discipline the words that we speak. Because sometimes we will find ourselves saying things that we should not be saying. And we need to have some parameters that we know of that keep us from going in those directions. Let's start with Proverbs 4.24. Keep your mouth free, from, free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Okay, this would be uh, rock bottom. Never let your mouth go to perverted speech. Okay. Perverted speech, never let it go there. Corrupt talk, never let it go there. We know what we're talking about. We're talking about speech that's loaded with sexual innuendo, uh, speech that's loaded with uh, critical, uh, vindictive speech against people, speech that's very sarcastic and cutting, that kind of thing should never come out of our mouths, never come out of our mouths. Verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 12 says this, whoever derides their neighbor has no sense, but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. The desire may be there to put down somebody who's not present, someone perhaps who's hurt us in the past, 
And um, we may feel that there's justification for it. But the one who has understanding will hold his tongue and keep from going down that path and keep from going in that direction. Let's look at 16.23. The hearts of the wise make their mouths prudent and their lips promote instruction. Um, this is, I like the, the first phrase and want us to, to meditate on that for just a minute. The hearts of the wise make their mouths prudent. That means they know what good speech sounds like and they make their mouths do that. One of the things that uh, the Lord has dealt with me about is the whole thing of uh, um, using humor in a, in a right way. In, in fact, eliminating from my, my humor cutting statements towards other people. I'm not there 100%, but I think the Lord has helped me. And he's, he's used my wife to help me with that. She, she, early in our marriage, pointed that out, that that was something in, in my life that I needed to look at. And uh, I, she was right on, I did. And so I've been working at that. And I've been making my mouth not go in that direction. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? You may have another uh, weakness in your speech that you're aware of. Make your mouth not go there. You know, the place to start is always in our hearts. But then even as you hear yourself saying things, you can say, don't do that again. Don't say that again. That was not, that was not right. That was harmful to someone else. And we can train our mouths and train our hearts uh, not to go in those directions. Well, I think the Apostle Paul, because of his... Um, Exposure to the Old Testament. I mean, he knew the Old Testament uh, well because he, he was a, a Jew and he was raised knowing the Old Testament. But he also preached from the Old Testament. There was no New Testament when he was preaching. And so all of his texts were from the Old Testament. And uh, in, you, in thinking over the Proverbs, I'm sure they were a backdrop for what he said in Ephesians 4.29. Listen to his words and see if you don't see Proverbs leaking through in this scripture. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's one that I've memorized and uh, try to live by that on a daily basis. Don't, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. Think about that for just a minute. So much of our talk, we're uh, so interested in telling what's on our minds, and we're telling about everything that's on our minds. Have we ever thought if what we're sharing is helpful for building others up? Uh, that it would benefit those who listen? Or is it just us sort of having a catharsis, a verbal catharsis? We're shedding all this stuff that's in our minds. We're getting it off our chest, so to speak, because it's good for us. Have we thought about how is it good for someone else? Uh, that's, that's a good thing to think about. Well, uh, we've talked at length about what we say and 
this was only just touching even on what's in Proverbs. There's so much more. Um, I'd encourage you to read through all of Proverbs. Um, read in two ways. Read uh, chapters. In fact, read more than one chapter. Read uh, many chapters at, at a sitting if you can. But then always come back and focus on a single proverb and meditate on it and maybe follow the subject to other proverbs that deal with the same subject and let your mind be um, saturated with some of the, the smaller things that Proverbs says, the, the small sayings that are four word lines and then three word lines in the Hebrew. I think you're gonna find it enriching and helpful. The last thing I'd like for us to do today is just to say together this proverb before we close today and say it with me. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for these reminders of how our speech can be helpful to other people, how it can turn away anger, how it can bring healing, how it can bring instruction, how it can nourish, how it can please God. Oh God, may we speak things like that. May we remember the warnings and the damage that can be done by words, how it can set a forest ablaze, that it can um, stir up anger. And may we not go with that kind of speech. Help us to have hearts that are purged of sin. May we think about things that are good and noble and right. And then, God, may you let those things come out of our mouths. May we train our mouths not to go where they should not go. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful word that you've given us. We com commit these things to you. In Jesus' name we pray.